This week, I'm speaking with Dr. Andy Cope. Dr. Cope is the author of several books. He runs a company called The Art of Brilliance. He's a former academic and then decided, as some guests, previous guests have decided to do, he came out of academia to work for himself. A lot of people actually in the training business end up inside academia having been consultants for years, but Andy's done this the other way around. Um, he is a self-described learning junkie and a recovering academic, and um, he's been very successful giving keynotes. And that's something I want to talk about today. How do you actually use your keynote skills to get clients to attract people to your brand? And of course, writing books helps as well. I've written one, and Andy's written or co-written several books, and he has got lots of great messages about the importance of mental health. And that's been a theme, of course, in 2021, 22, and probably in 23. He's won several awards. One of his books called Shine has been uh, awarded the accolade of best self-help ebook of all time winner. And that's really, really important. And I think that if you're running a business, working for yourself, your mental health is something which is key because we all have times when our workshops don't resonate with people or the business generation we're doing isn't working as well as we hoped. And if you've come out of a corporate environment where you've, you're used to having a team around you and that uh, drumbeat or regular dependable income, and all of a sudden that doesn't work because you're now focused on your own marketing, your own sales, you're running operations and all that stuff yourself, that has an impact on your mental health, on your self-confidence. So today, I'm talking to Dr. Cope all about the importance of happiness, well-being, and of course, the uh, lessons that he's learned over the years in running his own business. This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, welcome to the show. It's one of the last recordings this year. I've been doing a lot of recordings before uh, Christmas or year end. And um, I'm delighted to speak to someone who is really knowledgeable about things like positive psychology, employee engagement, strengths, happiness, well-being, and of course, mental health. And Dr. Cope, or Andy, as I'll call him, um, is experienced in working in the academic world, but also working, running his own business. And he's been doing this since January 2005. He's got lots of people in his team. He's written several books, and I think he's got lots of great messages for you and me, people running their own business. If this is your first time here, this is the Training Business Podcast. And it's the show for self-employed consultants, trainers, coaches, people like you and me. The focus is on, well, it's a range of topics, actually, but the focus primarily is on the business of training, of coaching, of making money from your programs, your workshops, your courses, keynotes, etc. And if you're someone who has their own expertise business or is thinking of starting one, perhaps now or next year in 23, then this is the show for you. I'm a self-employed trainer, coach, published author. I've been in... Uh, jobs, I've been out of jobs, and I've learned loads, and I have great pleasure in helping people like you and people like me by bringing you messages from 
guests who are on the show and have been down that path before. If you've not clicked on follow or subscribe, now is a great time to do so. This helps to notify you of great episodes, which will help your business. It costs nothing and takes only a couple of seconds. Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks for asking me. Delighted to be here. Where, where are you right now as I'm speaking to you? I am in sunny Derby. Yes. Right. Okay, in the UK, for people who are not familiar with uh, Derby. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about your background today. Um, you describe yourself uh, on LinkedIn as the doctor of happiness. You're also an author, like many of our guests. You're a best-selling author and a recovering academic, and I'm intrigued what that means. So right now you run a company, uh, which is your own business, I guess, called The Art of Brilliance. Why don't we start from where you began and bring us up to where you are today? Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Um, well, I'll go with the I'll go with the Doctor of Happiness title actually now, which I know sounds terribly cheesy, but I basically spent uh, about twelve years at Loughborough University in the UK researching a subject called positive psychology. So, um, the, which essentially turns psychology on its head. So, for one hundred and fifty years, psychology traditional psychology has been about a, what we call a disease model. Let's find out what's wrong with you. Once we've diagnosed you, here's some therapy, here's some counselling, here's some medication, and that's great. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. But my point, my realization was that despite the best efforts of 150 years of traditional psychology, the best therapy, the best counseling, the best medication that we can come up with, the truth is, the truth is that mental ill health is getting worse, not better. So for me, there was something kind of something missing, something maybe fairly obvious missing. And what I realized was um, that pretty much for 150 years of traditional psychology, psychologists have never ever studied people who are already happy on the grounds of not being ill. So all of us, everybody listening to this podcast, you can all think of in your life probably a handful of people who are fantastic, who are fine, who are buzzing with energy and vitality and creativity. They seem to love Mondays the same as they love Fridays. And and basically, they've psychology's never studied those people because they're just getting on with their life with a smile on the face and the spring in their step. So I decided, while the rest of psychology continues to look at phobias, disorders, anxiety, and all that, to look at the ones who who are well, who not only who are they, but what are they doing that makes them flourish? And most importantly, what Otter Brilliance does now is what might we then learn from them that we can apply to ourselves so we might also flourish as well. So it kind of sounds obvious, mate, but that's it took me 12 years to get a PhD, hence the recovering academic. I'm not a naturally, I'm not God's gift to academia. You know what I mean? I, I just kind of grind it out. Um, so I'm proof of hanging in there. You get a PhD if you stay long enough. Now, we've had some people on the show who've come from an academic background. We've had people who've gone the other way from the corporate space and they've said, you know what, I'd like to specialize in this field and then go into academia. What made you come out of academia and, and often people who do so are leaving in a way a pretty solid you know career because it takes a while to get that phd or dba um yeah it, you know it's taken a lot of sweat and and tears to, to get that uh, profile why would you come out then and, and work for yourself yeah what a ridiculous thing to do really, to, to leave a nice safe comfortable job with a final salary pension just exactly like you probably have mate is that i, I think you come to the point whereby um what I realized was, so to be absolutely blunt with you, what I realized after after about 10 years of working in the FE and higher education sector, and I really enjoyed it working in business schools, 
But my, I always thought my job, it sounds weird now when I say it, I always thought my job as a lecturer was to tie people up in academic knots and, and be cleverer than the students. And if I could be a little bit cleverer than them, then that was the job. Jobs are good, as they say. And then what I realized with positive psychology is I've been doing it wrong for 10 years. And my job was really to simplify everything. I'd never changed anybody's life. I'd, I'd prepared people to write essays uh, that would get them an MBA or something that might change their life down the road and open up opportunities. But nobody had ever left a lecture of mine and gone, oh my gosh, that has fundamentally changed the way I think. So and positive psychology gave me that way in that totally blew my mind. And like, There's a science of well-being. I mean... There was when I was an undergraduate studying psychology, there was not a single lecture on happiness. There was not a single lecture on human flourishing. It's almost like they're not valid emotions to study. And I realized, well, absolutely they are. But that's exactly everybody listening to this. If you've got children, there's only one thing you want for your kids. You want them to be happy. Right. And then we put them through a system that knocks the happiness out of them. I I do stuff in British schools now. There's kid, it breaks my heart. There's children age eight having panic attacks and with anxiety yeah. on, on medication. There's, that's not right, mate. There's something's no. got to be done about that. So anyway, I'm going to calm myself down because I get very passionate about it. I just think psychology maybe has been doing it wrong all these years. And why aren't we looking at health and happiness and well-being and sharing that? And quite a few people listening to this have come from an education background. Um, one of my previous guests was Lisa Spinelli. Um, at the Association for Talent Development, and she developed a program to help teachers leave, well, not to get them to leave, but to, to encourage them if they wanted to leave, uh, to become um, educators in, in the corporate training sense. And then Andy Gerver recently, uh, you might have heard of him, um, used to be a school principal, and he's written a book, and now he does uh, lots of keynotes. And of course, another guest I've had on the show uh, a few years ago before he passed away, Way was the wonderful Sir Ken Robinson, wow. who gave that fantastic talk on uh, on education. And I think many of us listening to this have come from uh, or come to training, perhaps having been influenced by wonderful educators, teachers, um, professors. And I can think of uh, only a couple of lectures where I've sat through and I thought, this has actually changed how I think. And it's encouraged me to pursue that um, that direction, but in the form of, of training clients. So, what made you brand yourself as Dr. Happiness? Positive psychology, I get it, but what do you think you bring in terms of a product that you sell to paying clients? Yeah, I, I, to be fair, I do. I am socially aware enough to understand that Doctor of Happiness sounds a bit cheesy and a bit in your face. And I, but I always think it's marginally better than the alternative, which is Dr. Field, <laughs> which is creepy. So I'm going to go with Dr. <laughs> Happy. And I'm a doctor. I've got a PhD, right? I, I can't take mm -hmm. your appendix out. And I don't want to know about your athlete's foot or your rash. You're a real but, doctor. But, but, but if you want to feel amazing, the truth is, mate, the truth is most people are a million miles away from feeling as great as they could. The modern world is brutal, right? We, I mean, we're recording this. I don't know when people will listen to it. But October, we've been two and a half years into a pandemic. We've got a war in Ukraine. The, the cost of living crisis is mad. The world and the people who've got through the pandemic, particularly if you're working in education and the health service, they are exhausted. They are running on empty. And I just think that when the world is doing its worst, which it has been now for two and a half years, then it becomes even more important that we know how to be at our best. And I always think that like the very best version of you, which is essentially what positive psychology reminds you to be, it's not about trying to be somebody else. It's not about comparing yourself with anybody else. It's genuinely about learning how to get back to being your best self more often. 
right? And what, what that means is that when the world does batter you, which it will, then you might bend, but you don't have to break. And I think that's a really big point because the modern world, there's a lot of broken people. There's a lot of world, a lot of people out there who are really, really struggling. And um, I think the world needs well-being and, and some really simple. I mean, my thing, my, my product, well, what's your product? My product is simplicity. All right. So what I've got is 12 okay. years of PhD. I've got a 12-year PhD, right? And that's 140,000 big academic words. And I can sound clever if you want me to. But you don't want that. You don't want big. We, we've got enough big words in our life. We want simple mm. principles. We want doable stuff. We want humor. Um, I just want to feel good. <laughs> so if, so if I hire what, Andy, if I hire Andy uh, or a doctor of happiness as a client listening to this, a potential client, what am I hiring you for? Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. What does the program look like? Yeah, what all, do you. All sorts, really- mate. I mean, there's not just me. Yeah. There's, there's 30 of us now out there delivering stuff all over the world. We deliver the. I think the best keynote in the world called The Art of Being Brilliant. But then we've got The Art of Being program. Brilliant. The Art of Being okay. Brilliant, right? Which is mm-hmm. essentially that 12 years in one hour. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> just with all, we lose all the academia, just give you the funny stuff and the stuff that really lands yeah. well. Okay. So we'll give people a spring in the step. But we've got longer programs, you know, we've got leadership programs, we've got three, four day programs, we've got programs in schools for kids and for teachers. Uh, right. We've got a whole series of books as well. So it's you're buying into, mm-hmm. I think, I never think you're buying into anything really. You just, you, I don't want you to buy into us, right? I always think, mate, and this is my bugbear about the industry that we find ourselves in, right? And I might be speaking out of turn here, right? But too many organisations buy overly complicated, overly long programs, like, and the and the and the training provider will come in and make you reliant on them. Um, and I think if if I only want to see you once, really. And if that doesn't land, then I don't think I've done my job properly. I'll see you twice at a push. It, on our leadership programs, if I have to come back and deliver more than five sessions with you, then you should have your money back. Because after that, it's too complicated. If you haven't got it, then that's not your fault for not getting it. It's my fault for not explaining it in a way that's made you go, oh my gosh, this is so simple. Why have I not been, why didn't I not see this 40 years ago? So if, if we think of it, if you're marketing yourself, are you marketing yourself to schools and corporate clients? Yes, which is What unusual, is your sweet spot? If which any? is unusual, right? Because mm-hmm. most, most corporate trainers don't go anywhere near schools, right? Schools is 10 times harder. And we're working with kids here, right? You mm-hmm. try working with 14-year-olds. It is 10 times harder than Hard. a corporate and it's half the pay. So, I mean, why would you? And the reason right. why would you is because they need it. And it makes a massive difference if you can get them at 14 and get them mm. to kind of see this. Oh my gosh, yeah, look, I, I, I can actually take on the world if I just knew how. Um, so yeah, that's why we do it. We don't, we're not for profit, so we don't make any money. Any money that we make at the end of the year goes back into the school projects. So we're kind of doing it from the head and the heart. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's, that's the Colmas pro bono side of things. What about the paying clients? Who are they? What's a typical profile? Um, all sorts. Uh, we're about 50-50 split between education and business. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the British Health Service is a big client of ours now, about 25% mm-hmm. of our businesses, because they're just weary and worn out. Um, so it's, it's big organizations. They, they pay us the nice fees to do the corporate keynotes. and the, I, I won't name names, but a lot of our blue chip clients, you know, everybody will have heard of them. But, you know, we work with anybody, anybody who's interested in wanting to feel great in a world that's trying to batter the greatness out of you. We're interested in working with you. How do you market yourself? What was um, the source of, of leads or, or uh, you yeah, know, new projects? Leads, well, again, I, 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 it sounds like we're amateurish, but we're really not. We, we don't really market ourselves massively. We, word of mouth is our thing. So we started out in 2004. 
just me. And now there's 30 of us. So that tells you that actually, although we're not marketing, the word of mouth is really powerful. Mm. We, 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 our training is by the seven words I always tell all that I new trainers, seven things, do it better than you have to. All right. If you, as a trainer, as a coach, just do it better than you have to. And I'm talking everything. So the way you talk to your clients, the way you rock up, everything, I've got this other thing, everything speaks. So when you're doing a keynote, it's not just the words. All right. Well, the time you show up at your conference matters. What you're wearing matters. I'm a jeans and t-shirt man, but I know that matters. Whether you've got a smile on your face matters. Whether you look confident, it all matters. It all is speaking. It's shouting at the audience, not just the words that are coming out of your mouth. Mm. So I think that we've grown, you know, where our customers come from, obviously social media, and we do do marketing now. Um, but essentially, most of our business comes from doing a great job, doing it better than we have to, mm. and people speak. People talk. They have a good experience, and they talk. Right. So you began back, it was, you said 2004? 2004, yeah. Just yeah, so you. Right. How yeah. did you grow then to 30 people? Are, they, are these employees? Um, are they consultants? Yeah, yeah, somewhere? yeah. Well, MX, um, we've got a hardcore of employees and then we've got the specialists who we buy in. Um, yeah, we just grow um, because uh, it sounds terribly big-headed because I think that we're really good at what we do. And uh, I, I think, uh, you know, top again, I don't sound like I'm giving top tips for trainers because I'm sure they know, is don't chase the money. We've never chased the money. I'm not interested in the money. I, I think if you chase the money, and you're, oh, I'm going to go for the big fees, then the money will always outrun you. <laughs> I think if you chase excellence and you are genuinely the best at what you do, then the money will find you. And I don't care. I seriously don't care whether it's a, a you're speaking at a Women's Institute for tea and cake on a Thursday night, or whether you've got a big gig in Dubai, they all count. They all count. And you should give a shit the same as you do at the Women's Institute, that whether you're picking up a big payday. And if you can get that bit right, I think I think that's the right space. It pains me, mate. It pains me. I know other trainers who will take a gig and put it in their diary. And then somebody else wants that date at a slightly higher price and they will cancel the original gig. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so painful. Because, well, it just is. It just doesn't feel like the right thing to do to me. If it's in your diary, you do it, even if it's for tea and cake. And you never know who's there in the audience. And I think many people will recognize this is that uh, often when you turn up to a keynote, um, it's going to be someone in the audience will remember you. You'd be surprised how and when it comes back to you. Someone somewhere will ask a question or write something down you've said, and it comes back to you. Every opportunity you have, whether it's paid or not, to get in front of people who could become a source of referral or business, I think that's something you cannot... uh, you couldn't miss. You shouldn't miss. I love it, mate. We're yeah, we're, we're the same voice on that one. I think yeah. Um, and the the other thing, the other thing that bugs me. And I went to there's a professional speakers association. I went to a couple of those to when I was becoming a keynote speaker, and it really, really bugged me that one of the like I'm, again, I'm not going to name names. One of the most famous keynote speakers in the UK, he came on and he was doing a thing for the for the wannabes like me. And his thing was he came on and he said, "What you should do at a conference." is don't listen to anybody else. So you rock up at your time, you do your thing and you leave. And I'm like, how that, I cannot think of worse advice for a one for a new trainer. I seriously can't. Now he's earning shed loads of money, right? And that's off to him. And that's, but there's, I, I think it's exactly the opposite. If you're going to do it better than you have to, then you rock up way early. You listen into the conference, you pick up the themes, you, you dovetail into what's been said. You are a pleasure to have at the conference. You follow up afterwards and work will flow from that. You network, you network, you network. And the tip I was given years ago is that you sell through the network, not to the network. So it's about 
pressing palms, making connections. Um, I also want to um, just ask you about the books. To what extent did um, did the books help generate that publicity, that brand awareness? Yeah, that's all they do do, by the way. I mean, if uh, all the non-authors on listen to this and thinking, I want to be an author because being an author must be really nice. You write some words and then you submit your manuscript and you sit there counting your money. Well, no, you don't, right? You work your bits off and you create some words and then, but the, and, and you never make money out of the actual book. So, but the potentially, if you get it right, then people read the book and book you as a keynote or they book you for a workshop. So we've got a series of books and I started to co-write with other authors to um, to tap into their ideas as well. And that's the, that's helped me enormously as kind of best-selling author. It does get your name out there. If, you sell, if your book's on the shelves in Waterstones and, and at the train stations, then yeah, people read them and it's they book you. Okay. Um, just one more, a couple of things, just briefly. The... I like the idea of, of hiring um, associates. Have you any experience or rather ups and downs stories that you can share with us? Because there are people who would like to grow from one to maybe a team or bring in other people as contractors or employees. Thinking of your time, building it from one to, to 30 yeah, people. I think uh, we've never recruited. Um, all our people have found us. <laughs> So every single one of those 30 has been a delegate on a course who's who's woken up and and approached us. I mean, we've had hundreds of people approach us over the years, but these 30 have made it and they've just said, well, I want to do that. How do I do that? How do I get involved? And we get an awful lot of people who say, yeah, because it looks easy, right? You do a keynote, you do a workshop. It's great fun. There's plenty of humor in what we do, but it's not funny, right? It's actually really about life and how to live it really well. But it looks easy. So I think some people think, oh, it looks really easy. I'd rather do that than do my current job. Um, so loads of people approach us, but I say, if you want to be, you want to come and work for us, you've got to, there's an effort involved. You've got to be up and down the motorway, observing the current existing trainers and, and, and getting yourself up to speed. And most people, they think they want to do it, but when push comes to shove, they can't be bothered to do the miles. They can't be bothered. Anyway, at 30, we've never recruited them. Remember, we don't make money, so we're not bothered about as a, as a, as a business. We, we, I won't tell you what our business model is necessarily, but it's very generous for the trainers. We have got a backroom team that needs paying out of the day rate, but we take a very small slice of that and keep it centrally. The vast majority of our day rate goes to our trainers because they need looking after and they're in it for the right reasons as well. Remember, any money that we do make goes back into schools anyway. So, so we're essentially non-profit. Yeah, yeah, we don't make a bean, never have. What made you decide to do that? Because there are people I'm sure thinking, why would you leave a pensionable job having attained a PhD to go work in a non-profit? Um, well, we pay our trainers really well. So remember on mm -hmm. the day rate, whatever the day rate comes in, which sometimes is a half decent day rate, they will get a big, I, I, I earn lots of money. I, well, I say I earn lots of money. I, I'm earn more than enough money, so I don't need to chase the money. I'm not bothered. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's not. It's, we are not for profit, but the trainers are well looked after. Yeah, that was a question more directly to you, or directed at you than than the trainers themselves. Oh no, that was just your, your, a, your mission. It just felt the right the right thing to do. Okay. There was never a big okay. grand plan about. Oh, you know, let's build right. a business and have thirty people. It was just me. You know, up and down the motorway, delivering my thing, and gradually we grew. Accidentally, I've not sit here with a strategy. <laughs> Have you an exit strategy? No, I've not got an exit strategy. I think I'll be uh, like the greatest British comedian, Tommy Cooper. I think he died on stage. 
<laughs> he be, did. That'll be me. That'll be me. I shouldn't be laughing at you. <laughs> <laughs> be, I love what I do. I think, uh, yeah. yeah, well, that's the key to it. If you love what you do, it's not work. I've mm. never worked a day, a day in my life, really. Well, not in the last 15 years. Not so final question for me. What does the next two to three years look like? Um, I've, got a, I've got another book on the go. Um, and I, I'm trying to make inroads into our schools thing. We've just developed a thing called the Wellbeing Award, which is like a certificated wellbeing program. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's business version of that. There's a schools version of that. There's a university sector for that where it's, a, it's only a nine hour program, but they come on the nine hours, get a certificate in wellbeing at the end of it. So what it does, instead of coming on a one hit wonder, we can engage young people, we can engage students, we can engage um, employees in a more structured wellbeing program. So we're back to what have we started with? When the world is battering you, then you don't break. You've got the tools and the techniques and the strategies to be able to take care of your own mental health. So if, if people want to get in touch with you and maybe come along, see a program and perhaps apply to work under your brand, where, where do they go? Yeah, yeah. Artabrilliance.co.uk or drop me an email, andy at artabrilliance.co.uk or we're all over social now. Wonderful. Andy, thank you so much for being my guest today on the show. Absolute pleasure, Mark. My thanks to Andy for being my guest today and thank you for listening today. Thank you for your time. If you have a question or a suggestion, then please email me, mark at trainingbusiness.com and my sincere thanks to my team, Sam, Joe, James and Turul. And we appreciate your loyalty and your time. Please, please click on follow or subscribe to be notified of great episodes. Uh, there is, of course, a fresh episode next Thursday without fail. All episodes, past, present and future can be found online on your podcast platform of choice, as well as over at trainingbusiness.com. That's it for this week. Until next week, keep leading, keep coaching, keep selling. Bye for now. once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.